1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul is quoting Isaiah when he says, As it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has the human heart thought of what God has prepared for those who love him. What do you think of when you hear the name Lennon and McCartney? What? Yeah, but there's four, two other guys with the Beatles, right? Then you've got to add uh, a, couple more, a couple more names in there. But what, what about just Lennon and McCartney? It, they're, they're known really as the songwriters for that crew. Lennon and McCartney teamed up and wrote some very powerful songs, some very moving lyrics, some very poetic, uh, deeply poignant, insightful lyrics, the long and winding road. Yesterday, you remember those lyrics. Well, I want to start with a quote from some of their lyrics here. I hope you're as moved by these as I am. You say yes, I say no. You say stop, and I say go, go, go. Oh, no. I say hello. I, you say goodbye, and I say hello. Hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello. Hello, hello. You say goodbye. I say hello. I say hi. You say low. You say why. I say I don't know. Oh, no. You say goodbye, I say hello. Hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye, I say hello, hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye, I say hello. Why, 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 why do you say goodbye, goodbye? Oh, no. You say goodbye, I say hello, hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye, I say hello, hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello. Now, don't you find that really moving? Either they were smoking something, or they had a third-grade child write that for them, I think. How can guys who write moving, inspirational, poetic stuff come up with something like that? Well, anyway, if you're the note-taking type, on these sermons. That's the title of the sermon. Hello, goodbye. Hello and goodbye. Let's talk about those words just for a moment. Hello is a relatively new word in our language. I don't know if you realize that. It is first known to have been written down in the year 1830. That's relatively recent. You know, you kind of probably picture people back in Bible times saying, hello. Well, they didn't say hello. They had some other word that they used for a greeting. And it is an extension or a growth out from words like halloo and different versions like that. But hello, H-E-L-L-O, actually is not known to have existed, at least in writing, until 1830. You probably didn't know that every year on November 21st, it is World Hello Day. It's world, not national hello day, world, global, world hello day. And the objective is to say hello to 10 people on that day. Promotes world peace. Hello. I'm good for two weeks. All right. 
The word goodbye is much different. That's a much older word with much older roots. The word goodbye as we know it today, good and then B-Y-E, that is known to be in writing as back to the, late, uh, to the late 1500s using that spelling. But this is important. It comes from G-O-D-B-W-Y-E. Godbui. Godbui. And it's really a contraction of God be with ye, with ye. God be with ye. God be with ye. And of course, it was influenced by the greetings. The other greetings we have like good day and good evening and good night, good morning, things like that. And so it became over the years, goodbye. But the spelling of it still goes back to the roots. God be with ye. And that is the source of that word. Now, my son Cade, when I was explaining this, talking to him about it, and he says, okay, so goodbye means God be with you. So that makes an interesting twist on goodbye and good riddance. Uh, hello is a greeting, or more formally, it is a salutation. Goodbye is a closing, or more formally, a valediction. And somehow, uh, in today's language, and this seems very unprofessional, but even when you call a, a businessman or something like that, very often as you hang up the phone, what will you hear? You will not hear goodbye. You hear bye-bye. People do that all the time. We say bye-bye. Now, we picked it up from the kids or something, but we say bye-bye rather than goodbye. But that's where it all stems from. God be with you. Now, in the Bible, let's think of some hellos that we find in the Bible. You know, I try to imagine what the first thing was Adam said to Eve when he saw her. I mean, there had to be some kind of a greeting. Wow. Or as I've heard somebody say, whoa, man. Uh, but some sort of hello, some sort of introduction uh, remember when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon? Never met him before, but heard a lot about his fame, and so she came to say hello to Solomon. Brought all kinds of gifts and all these different things. Remember when Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus? He just wanted to see him, really. But that greeting, Jesus comes right over and calls him by name. Hello. Hello, Zacchaeus. And Paul, in all of Paul's letters, you read through the New Testament, you read through those writings of Paul, all those epistles, how he starts with a hello. He's writing to the church in Ephesus or to the church in Corinth or wherever it is. And he opens up by explaining who he is and he says hello to everybody. We have famous hellos in our culture. Some put the song. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. Right? That's a hello. Do you remember the image from World War II on Victory Over Japan Day, when, when the word got back to the United States, to Times Square in New York, and everybody heard that Japan had surrendered, and a sailor in his uh, white sailor uniform grabs a nurse. Remember that? You seen the picture? Grabs her, bends her over, and plants a kiss. <laughs> they were complete strangers. Hello. And Henry Morton Stanley has one of the most famous hellos 
you probably don't remember the name Henry Morton Stanley. He was a news reporter from New York, and he was in Africa when he said hello with these words, Dr. Livingston, I presume. And Adrian Cronauer, a name vaguely familiar to you, who became famous for saying hello with these words, Good morning, Vietnam! Just another form of hello. And of course, we have our regional variations, everything from howdy to hi, how are ya? How y'all doing? And variations. And we have our goodbyes. You know, I think back in the Bible, some of the goodbyes that were said, Hannah saying goodbye to her son Samuel. That tugs at the heart a little bit. Naomi saying goodbye to two of her daughters-in-law, one of which came with her and one which did not. Elisha and Elijah parting, saying goodbye. Remember that in Bible times like this, in these stories, maybe not with Hannah and Samuel, but certainly with Naomi and Orpah, with Elijah and Elisha, and many of those where someone is moving off, chances were they would never see each other again. Not on this earth. So when they said goodbye, it was with meaning and emotion that they said, God be with you. One of my favorite musicals, I probably use this in sermons all the time. You probably know my favorite musical. One of my favorite musicals is uh, Fiddler on the Roof. The story of Tevye, the old traditional Jewish patriarch who has all these daughters, three of whom are growing up and, uh, and uh, are becoming marrying age. And his second daughter, Hoddle, has fallen in love with this radical student who wants to go lead a new Russia and change the world. And he ends up getting imprisoned in Siberia. And she decides she needs to be with him. So she's getting on the train going to Siberia and saying goodbye to her father. And it's just the two of them in the movie version. The two of them are at the train station, a lonely little place out in the middle of nowhere. And they're both trying to be brave and they're both trying to control their emotions and there's little talk. And now the train is coming. And the emotions break through and then finally Hoddle says, Oh, Papa, God only knows when we will see each other again. It's very, very emotional. Because... You know, today we have social media. I've got a son in Okinawa, and I can, we can be on Skype, or we can be texting, or whatever it is, and, and there's communication. And I know that, you know, he can get on a flight, and he can be back in several hours, and that kind of thing. And so you, you don't get the sense of that, that long-term separation, or that final separation. But think of the pioneers in our country, when they got in their Calistogas and rolled west, and they said goodbye to their families on the East Coast. Chances were they were never going to see each other again when they said goodbye. God be with you. It had meaning. Think of that. In the late 1800s, people, when they said goodbye, to go a distance, were probably not going to see each other again. And in those days, in that setting, in that concept of goodbye, we get the words to this hymn. 
God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel, God uphold you with his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Join me in the chorus. Till we meet, till we meet, till we meet at Jesus' feet. Till we meet, till we meet, God be with you till we meet again. I can imagine people singing that as they part, wondering if they'll ever see the loved ones Again, you know the goodbyes lend themselves to musical lyrics much more than the hellos do. We don't have a lot of songs about hello, but we've got a lot of songs that express different forms and variations of goodbye because there is so much emotion in it. One of the most famous goodbyes, and I wish Todd was here. I saw him driving out as we were pulling in. This was for him. He'd appreciate this. One of the most famous goodbyes was Lou Gehrig, the famous baseball player, the Iron Man, who got ALS, and he knew it was going to kill him. And the word had gotten around, this is 1939, so the spread of news was much different in those days than, than today, not as immediate. So fans had been hearing rumors of this, and he got in the front of a microphone in Yankee Stadium, stadium in 1939 in front of 60,000 people on July 4th. And he said, you have heard that I've been dealt a bad break. But today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And he basically said goodbye to Major League Baseball and all his fans, and two years later, he was dead. And now we don't even refer to ALS anymore. We call it Lou Gehrig's disease. But that was his goodbye, famous goodbye, luckiest man on the face of the earth. You may not know this next one, then again you may. Major Sullivan Ballou of the United States, the Union Armies in the Civil War, the Union Army's 2nd Regiment, Rhode Island Volunteers. He's writing a letter to his wife, Sarah, days before the first Battle of Bull Run. Sullivan Ballou was a lawyer, a father of two small boys named Edgar and Willie. And here is an abridged version of his letter. My very dear Sarah, the indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow. Lest I should not be able to write you again, I feel impelled to write some lines now that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. Our movement may be one of a few days' duration and full of pleasure, and it may be one of severe conflict and death to me. Not my will, but thine, O God, be done. If it is necessary that I should fall on the battlefield for my country, I'm ready. I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter. I know how strongly American civilization now leans upon the triumph of the government and how great a debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and the suffering of the revolution. And I am willing, perfectly willing, to lay down all my joys in this life to help maintain this government and to pay, and to pay that debt Oh, but my dear wife, when I know that with my own joys I lay down nearly all of yours, 
and replace them in this life with cares and sorrows. When after having eaten for long years the bitter fruit of orphanage myself, I must offer it as the only sustenance to my dear little children? Is it weak or dishonorable while the banner of my purpose floats calmly and proudly in the breeze that my unbounded love for you, my darling wife and children, should struggle in fierce though useless contest with my love of country? Sarah, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me to you with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence could break. And yet, my love of country comes over me like a strong wind and bears me irresistibly on with all these chains to the battlefield. The memories of the blissful moments I have spent with you come creeping over me. And I feel most gratified to God and to you that I have enjoyed them so long. And hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, we might still have lived and loved together and seen our sons grow up to be honorable manhood around us. I have, I know, but few and small claims upon divine providence. But something whispers to me, perhaps it is the wafted prayer of my little Edgar, that I shall return to my loved ones unharmed. If I do not, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you. And when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the many pains I have caused you. How thoughtless and foolish I have oftentimes been. Oh, Sarah, if the dead can come back to this earth and flit unseen around those they love, I shall always be near you. In the garish day and in the darkest night, amidst your happiest scenes and the gloomiest hours, always, always, and if there be a soft breeze upon your cheek, it shall be my breath. Or the cool air fans your throbbing temple, it shall be my spirit passing by. Sarah, do not mourn me dead. Think I am gone and wait for thee, for we shall meet again. Major Ballou was killed 14 days later in the first battle of Bull Run. The interesting segue here about Major Ballou's letter is that it is a goodbye, but it's focused on the next hello. He's very clearly making that link. Goodbye isn't the end, Sarah. I look forward to that day, God willing, where we meet again. The goodbye that anticipates the next hello, that's hope. Douglas MacArthur in World War II saying goodbye to the Philippines and all of the people of the Philippines that were an American protectorate. And he was ordered to leave. And you remember what he said. Three famous words, one of the most famous goodbyes ever spoken. I shall return. You remember Rahab in the Bible, in Jericho. She's departing from the spies and she's, well, before you go, Promise me. She knows they're going to meet again, and that's what she focuses on, the promise of a return. And, of course, Jesus Christ, the last supper, the last days, the last hours with the disciples, John 14, 1 through 3. He says, I shall return. So it's a goodbye with hope. It's a goodbye that looks forward to the next hello. Our storyline when we talk about hello and goodbye is usually just that. Hello and then goodbye. That's succinct. That's logical. That's satisfying. But what happens when there's hope of another hello beyond that? What about the story 
when it pauses at goodbye and hangs there waiting for the next hello. Picture with me in your mind the father or the mother who says goodbye to their family as they head off to the Middle East to serve their country. That's a hard goodbye. But there's hope of the next hello. Think of the pioneers getting in those covered wagons, saying goodbye to loved ones to move to the frontier, not knowing if they'd ever see him again, but because they held a common faith, God be with you till we meet again. Someday, if it's only heaven, we meet again. There is still hope of the next hello. Imagine someone who's going off to prison for years. But there is hope of the next hello, and that's the greatest hello. Remember in the Bible, when Naomi got back to Israel, Ruth, of course, came along with her and Orpah went back to Moab. But Naomi came into town and the place was a buzz. In Ruth 1.19 it says, Now the two of them, that's Naomi and Ruth, the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, oh, is this Naomi? Have you ever been to one of those hellos where someone's coming home again? The hello that follows that goodbye after some long departure where you've been waiting and waiting and there's just a great excitement and a great emotion in that hello. Remember when Joseph said hello to his brothers. Hi, I'm your brother Joseph. How you doing? Well, for Joseph, that was very emotional. I suppose for his brothers, it was very emotional too. Primary emotion, fear, terror, right? Because they know what they deserve. Now, all these years where they'd been lying to their father, putting their father through horrible tur turmoil of losing his son, making up stories, covering for each other, they did an awful thing. They, as well as killed their brother and profited from it. Hello, I'm Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. And yet, when you read the Bible account, once they got past the terror and they realized that even though they did not deserve it, they were accepted, they were welcomed as family. And all those troubles, the stuff that made them go to Egypt in the first place, all the troubles, all the worries, all the concerns are gone. These hellos that follow a goodbye are powerful. And I want to build on that just a little bit. I'm going to ask Andy if he will play a, a short video clip. Now, you may have seen this, but this is, a, this is a video of a hello that follows a goodbye. Go ahead and run that. What you're about to see now was a surprise for a little boy whose dad has been in Iraq. The scene is a small town in northwest Washington state. U.S. Navy Ensign Bill Hawes, who spent the past seven months deployed to Iraq, 
decided to surprise his six-year-old son, John, at school. John didn't know it till he laid eyes on his dad. It took young John a long time to stop crying, but when he did, he mustered the courage to introduce his dad to his classmates, who had all written him letters while he was deployed. It's tough to take, but welcome home. We're back with more right after this. Forgive your tears if you forgive mine. I still can't watch it without crying. But that's the power of a hello after the goodbye. I had the privilege uh, this week of being involved in one of those hellos. And uh, you've, you've heard about, I'm sure, the... Uh, the honor flights, the old glory flights where they take the World War II veterans and they take them to Washington, D.C. to show them the World War II memorial. Now, we know that our, our veterans, our World War II veterans, veterans are dying in our, in our, in our world at, at the rate of about 1,000 a day. Our American World War II veterans, almost 1,000 a day are dying. We are quickly losing them. And so there is this push to get them to Washington to show them the memorial that was built in their honor. Has anybody seen that memorial? It's a couple of people. They've got, I've not been there, but I've seen the pictures, and they've got this wall, and they've got stars, thousands of stars representing the soldiers who were killed, the officer, or the uh, military people who were killed in that conflict. And every star represents 100 people, thousands of stars. At any rate, um, they, they picked these people up at the airport, and they just had one that left from, uh, from uh, Appleton uh, this week. So they picked these veterans up. Each one of the veterans has an, has an escort to care for them through the day. They, pick them, they get them to the airport very early in the morning. It's a hard, long day, and they get them on the plane. They fly directly to Washington, and they start touring Washington. They get them there to the World War II Memorial. They show them that. They show them some of the other uh, war memorials and different things around um, around Washington, and they are honored all day long for their service. And one of the really cool things that they do is when they're flying back, when they're in the airplane on the way back, they've prearranged all this. They've got letters from these veterans' families and, and, and loved ones and friends and neighbors and things like that. And they have mail call, just like they had in, when they were in the military. And they have mail call, and they go through, and they start passing out the letters. And on the, on the airplane, they open up these letters of thanks from their, from their loved ones and friends, these people who are appreciating them for what they've done. And it's very touching. And then they get back to the airport. This is the part I got to be involved in. They get back to the airport, and there is a huge crowd. I mean, they shut down TSA 
there is no, they, they, they take out the entire TSA check-through line. They just shut them down and tell the TSA to go away because this is more important. And everybody floods that gate. And they're all waiting there for these guys to step off the plane because they're going to say hello and they're going to say it right when these guys get off the plane. And so there's music. There's live music. The kind of music, that, the patriotic music that sort of gives you goosebumps and makes you want to stand up and salute. And there's, there's clapping everywhere and there's signs and there's flags. Uh, people are wearing patriotic clothing. There's balloons. There's video cameras all over the place, people taking pictures. And then that first one gets off the plane and comes into the gate. And you can just hear the crowd kind of erupt down at that end. I wasn't down at that end. And then it sort of spreads and the, and the, uh, and the noise, the, 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 the cheering and the loud applause, the roar works its way down through the crowd. And uh, people start holding up signs, you know, that say, way to go. You did it. Welcome home. We're proud of you. And they, uh, every, every now and then, someone will recognize someone who's coming off the plane. You know, there's Grandpa or there's Uncle Joe or whatever it is, and there'll be a, a louder fortissimo of clapping and cheering as, as they see their loved one. And you'll hear somebody say, Hey, look, there's Jim. It's Jerry. Hey, Bob, over here. And they're getting each other's attention. And all this cheering and smiling and hugs and handshakes. And there's strangers who reach out and they say, Thank you for your service. You did it. And the clapping and the cheering goes on and on and on. And it's really moving. Now we, as Christians, believe that we live in that hanging, waiting gap between Jesus saying goodbye and when we get to say hello again. And what will that hello be like? Ellen White tried to capture it in her day. She describes this in early writing. She says, this is from a vision of heaven that she had. She said, soon our eyes were drawn to the east for a small black cloud had appeared, about half as large as a man's hand, which we all knew was the sign of the Son of Man. We all in solemn silence gazed on the cloud as it drew nearer and became lighter, glorious, still more glorious, till it was a great white cloud. The bottom appeared like fire. A rainbow was over the cloud, while around it were 10,000 angels singing a most lovely song. I think, was goosebumps. And uh, upon it sat the Son of Man. His hair was white and curly and lay on his shoulders, and upon his head were many crowns. His feet had the appearance of fire. In his right hand was a sharp sickle. In his left, a silver trumpet. His eyes were a flame of fire, which searched his children through and through. And then all faces gathered paleness, and those that God had rejected gathered blackness. And we all cried out, Who shall be able to stand? Is my robe spotless? And then the angel stopped singing. And there was a time of awful silence. And Jesus spoke, Those who have clean hands and pure hearts shall be able to stand. My grace is sufficient for you. And at this our faces lighted up and joy filled every heart. And the angels struck a note higher and sang again while the clouds drew still nearer the earth. Then Jesus' silver trumpet sounded as he descended on the cloud, wrapped, his flames, wrapped in flames of fire, as he gazed on the graves of the sleeping saints. And he raised his eyes and his hands to heaven, and he cried, Awake, 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 ye that sleep in the dust, and arise. And there was a mighty earthquake, and the graves opened, and the dead came up clothed with immortality. The 144,000 were shouting, Alleluia, as they recognized their friends who had been torn from them by death. And in the same moment, we were changed and caught up together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. 
I want to make it even more real for you. I want to give you a little taste, a little glimpse of what it might be like when we say hello in heaven. And you're going to have to help me do this. But I want you to picture an enormous crowd of the heavenly host, as far as you can see, angels everywhere, and they are giving you a standing ovation. You're approaching heaven. Now you've got to help me out. As much as you're comfortable with, stand. Up, everyone. If you're comfortable with it, please. And I want you to start clapping. And you hear the music. All right, all the angels are clapping. You see your guardian angel. He calls you by name. Hey, way to go. He's holding up a sign. You did it. You made it. Everybody, you can hear little crowds. It gets a little noisier over here, a little noisy over there because somebody's recognized. You hear a name shouted out. Hey, Neil, you made it. All right, Jennifer, good to see you. Tony, John, I'm glad you made it. As far as you can see, there's nothing but cheering and applauding and smiling and welcoming. The music is giving you goosebumps. And you see the angels holding signs and someone shouting out your name. And you look up and then you see Jesus. And you know you don't deserve it just like Joseph's brothers didn't deserve it. But he looks at you with love and he says, hello, friend, and he calls you by name. And instantly you know everything's going to be okay. There's not going to be any more trouble. There's not going to be any more heartache. Everything's good. You've got a flood of emotions. A flood of emotions. They're starting to compete for room in your heart and on your face. And joy and relief and incomprehension and love and unworthiness and thankfulness. And all the music and clapping disappears. The sound disappears because you're having auditory exclusion. You're overworked, all of your senses, and the only one left is your sight, and it's very narrow because you spot Jesus. Your eyes are the only thing left with any sense, and without even thinking about it, you start running towards Jesus. Awkwardly at first, tears springing up in your eyes, you feel like you're moving in slow motion, but you finally reach him and you throw your arms around his neck and you hug him like you're never going to let go and you convulse in great sobs of complete emotional release. You are in heaven. And you forget every misery and pain and frustration and heartache. All those little bumps in the road were a tiny price to pay for this glory, for this reward, for this eternity. Mighty God in heaven, give us a taste, a foretaste of heaven. Give us a glimpse of the glory, the joy, the relief and full release that we will experience in heaven. Help us to understand the power of seeing Jesus face to face and hearing him call us by name and say, hello, friend. Let us carry with us today a glimpse of heaven. The pictures are strong in our mind of that little boy 
who after so many years of, or so many months of worry and lonesomeness and trouble spots his father, that symbol of strength and love, and runs to him and loses every care in the world around his neck. Father, we look forward to the day when we do the same in heaven. Be with us till we meet again. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.